This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're almost superstars. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me here again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald. This is my show, Living Fearlessly, with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. So once again, I am joined by yet another very talented, very phenomenal human being. This woman, an author, her name is Kate Court. So before I turn it over, as I always do, to unscripted dialogue and formally introduce her and welcome her to the program, I'm just going to plug a little bit about who Kate is. So who is Kate Court? Well, what I can tell you is that Kate was born in St. Louis, Missouri in 1985. She studied English and world literature at Truman State University. She currently lives in a suburb of Portland, Portland, Oregon with her husband and three children. Some of her favorite authors include Salman Rushdie, G.K. Chesterton, Carl Hiesen, Mikhail Bulgakov, Andre Belli, and Orande Roy. Glass and Lake are her first and second novels. So I just want to say welcome to the program. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule for joining us, Kate. How are you? Oh, thank you. I'm great, and I am so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's lovely to have you. I mean, anybody who takes the time to endeavor to do their passions, such as writing, I mean, you're right up my alley. That's very much what (laughs) I do. And I'm always looking to give exposure to people who I believe whose content offers value to, uh, you know, mainstream people and populations of, of demographics of those who absolutely love books and soak up other people's thoughts. And, and I really derived a lot of insights out of your book and, and more so as a result of what you chose to write about. And we'll get into that. Uh, I really garnered a lot about who you are as an individual to be able to write something as beautiful and as riveting as what you did. So I just want to say congratulations on a job well done. Thank you. That's yes. very great to hear. Well, it's fascinating. So what I'd like to do, Kate, is, you know, the main character, of course, uh, and I'll, I'll lead you to enlighten our listeners as to the crux of the book, because there's so many aspects of the book and the journey, the inception of how this came to be for you in, in, in writing about this and writing it specifically about the subject matter uh, that I'll leave for you to discuss. But um, so Menashe Everett, he's a tormented man. He's the main character in the book. Uh, very much ruled by depression and addiction. He's haunted by a past. And at the age of 37, he barely keeps his job and lives in a haze of blurred reality. So you talk about this very flawed individual uh, who is perceived quite differently by different people and other characters within the book. And what I absolutely love about it is that there's a little bit of him in everybody. And mm-hmm. I'm really curious to know in what way he specifically, after you give us a little bit more of a background history on the book itself, how you identify with him. And and for the fact that for you to have written so raw and so candidly and to have really brought this character to life in a way that we can all relate, I'd be interested in the backstory of what you've had to endure in your life to be able to write so authentically. Um. Well, that's a great question, and it does it does take a lot of personal connection to I think to hold up a main character for you know the length of a novel, and so the idea itself um, came in college. I was you know I had liked writing as a kid and as a young adult, and you know, it was always fun for me. I'm, I'm definitely a kind of an introverted personality. So I always felt more comfortable writing than, you know, maybe talking to, to people. So that was a a great outlet, but, um, I had no ambitions to really write a novel length work until basically I had the idea. And so in college, I would walk to class to my creative writing class through the student art gallery and, 
you know, it just always looks so perfect and so pristine. And just over time walking through, I just got this idea. Like, I wonder, you know, what that would be like to just, you know, really reduce something so beautiful to nothing. And if, if there are, are people who could maybe get relief that way. And so I had this idea of, you know, mental health and different modes of therapy that are unorthodox and, so in that idea kind of snowballed and I used it as a short story idea in that creative writing class. And then after graduation, I really decided to expand it because there was so much more I wanted to say. And so the idea of, well, is there relief from that or is it, does it fuel those negative impulses and just make everything worse? And I think, you know, as you say, different people respond differently. And so that's what I wanted to explore. And so with Menasha himself, I, I agree with you that there's a little bit of him in everybody. And, um, I just wanted to take that to the next degree and say, okay, well, if this just exacerbates, what would that look like? If, if this person needs help, but doesn't get it, mm-hmm. what does that look like? And so that's a lot of, of him is, is sort of an experiment in what would happen if common issues go completely untreated or treated in maybe the wrong way. Um, and so that's, that's kind of where I was coming from with him. Well, so a couple things, a couple thoughts simultaneously came to me, which is not uncommon and I'm sure you can relate as a writer. Um, <laughs> but so I'd be interested to know what your mindset was <laughs> during that particular time in your life when as you say, that thought came to you, you know, the pristineness of the building and just taking it a little bit more abstractly and kind of extrapolating on a deeper, more meaningful sense. So what was going on for you at the time that that would even conjure up for you, the notion of being able to write specifically about that or to be thinking about those types of things particularly? Sure. And um, I mean, mental health has always kind of been an interest of mine. It's on on my mind, definitely at that time. Um, I, as you know, a child, adolescent, even adult have, you know, gone through struggles with anxiety and depression. And I, you know, it's definitely a family history kind of thing. There are different um, struggles throughout my family. So it's, it was never really far from my mind. And so just taking that into um, a less structured uh, kind of approach, like, cause I, you know, being interested in creative writing, I always was kind of looking for odd ideas and just something different, something I hadn't read before. I hadn't heard before. And so just that kind of quiet stillness of like a perfect museum of glass art, I thought, you know, just already coming from this idea of, well, people have lots of struggles. Everybody has something that they're, you know, they feel is not, you know, they're not proud of or they're not, they don't feel would be understood. And just what would that be like to, to take that and, and, ex, and expand on that? So yeah, just walking through the gallery, I just kind of, you know, I, maybe it's just my personality. I would feel like, oh, it's so perfect. I, you know, I just kind of have this impulse to make it not perfect. And, so, um, not that this is something I, and, you know, I think about that as, you know, writing this book, would this be something I would ever want to try? Probably not. I'm not, um, <laughs> I, I'm, you know, this doesn't seem like something that would suit my personality. I'm definitely like a more reserved, quiet kind of person, but, um, you know, it's, it was just a, something that came to me and I thought, you know, this is something I want to think more about and, and expand on. Well, that's that's an interesting answer, and it segues into what my next question was going to be, again, all of this unscripted. So um, the fact that you're able to differentiate yourself and the main character, um, in order to develop the character as well as what you did, and it really came to life for the reader such as myself, you know, was there a parallel between the main character and somebody outside of you in the periphery who that reminded you of that you were able to uh, extrapolate from in order to build the character or to have a frame of reference for what that character's life would be like in order to describe it in your book? Um, and, you know, that's something I have also thought about just where this 
inspiration comes from, but Menasha especially was, was very much a figment of my imagination. Like I did take small details from my life and, you know, different thoughts and feelings definitely um, are incorporated into all the characters. They're all in some way part of me. Um, but in terms of just like his main personality, it was, it was pretty much fictitious. Um, but like certain little things I would take, like, um, his job as a, a student loan officer was, that was my job as an older teenager. And I just remembered that kind of mind numbing, uh, nature <laughs> of it. And I said, this is going to be perfect for him. You know, if there's, if there's something that's going to send him over the edge, it's working in student loans. I'm going <laughs> to use that. And so, um, yeah, there are definitely aspects that, um, that reflect, um, back to my personality, but, uh, largely just kind of, uh, a creation. <laughs> Beautiful. So obviously writing something as deep as, as what your book is, um, obviously there was a bit of a, a healing cathartic process that took on a life of its own, I'm sure for you as the writer. Mm-hmm. And so, from the birth of the book, the concept of the book to the layout to, you know, developing chapter content till the end of the book, looking back on it or even throughout the duration of having written it, what did you come to realize about yourself in terms of self-awareness that perhaps you weren't necessarily in the know about or cognizant of at the time of writing the book? Um, well, uh, that's a, a great question. A lot of things that I really had to wait till I was done and then kind of go through and reflect on like, Oh, I guess this is really what I was, you know, thinking about. This is what I was interested in. And, um, I had not really set out to write about so many different type of, uh, mental health issues. They just kind of kept coming. And, you know, I realized that I, I just really wanted to shed light on, on the most stigmatized, um, issues people deal with. And, you know, there, I, I feel like we're getting better about talking about depression and anxiety, especially they seem like, okay, we understand those are quite common. A lot of people are dealing with those, you know, we can get that more out in the open, but sort of on the periphery are ones like addiction and post-traumatic stress disorder um, abuse, those are all kind of ones that are still very hard to talk about. They feel, I think, too personal to people. And so you don't realize how how many people are, are dealing with those because they're afraid to talk about them. So, you know, that's really, I just realized, you know, after writing this, like, I, this is something I feel strongly about is just bringing these things to light. And I, you know, it, it kind of took writing it to come to that understanding. Um, and, uh, and so that's, um, the, it was really an interesting moment, uh, to, to kind of realize after the fact, okay, this is, I am really passionate about this. Absolutely. Well, that shone through in the book. Absolutely. It did. And, you know, if I can parallel what you're talking about and the ways in which it touches you personally and, and how your own experiences and the things that you've grappled in your life with in your life have, um, you know, become part of the character makeup of the people in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that takes me back to when I wrote my first adult memoir book and you know you think you've gone through things you think that you've embraced things you think that you've relinquished things and you think you're so far along in the healing journey it's not until you revisit it uh I I cried throughout that whole writing of that book it was super cathartic and it was Mm -hmm. painful and it was all those things so when you look back on the chapters or particular pivotal moments within your book where did you find yourself really feeling raw really feeling like, oh, here we go again. Uh, okay. Well, there was just looking back, um, this just last time, kind of in preparation for, for this interview, I, you know, was just familiarizing myself again with the chapters. And there was a chapter when the, uh, when Manasha goes and sees his uncle and, um, his, it, you know, it's not his, he's in poor health, the uncle. And so it's, you know, this could be their last meeting. And, you know, he just, he has this really raw emotional kind of connection that, you know, it had been years they had not spoken. He was really mad and 
did not want to connect with this person and then unexpectedly did. And it, you know, that was just a very, that one still felt very raw to me, um, reading it. And so I kind of was like, Oh, you know, it's all coming back now. And, um, but it, I think it is important to get back to that mindset where you were when you wrote it, because that's where, that's where that passion is. And so it, it is hard at times, but I think that's, that's what means you're on the right track. (laughs) Absolutely. And that's where the truth is, right? You're writing from a place of truth. Um, so in terms of your book being what it's about, have you been invited uh, to go and talk at different forums or within the school system or social service agencies about the subject of mental health illness and, and mental health awareness, given what's in your book and how that would speak to people, it would touch a chord in people? Um, I would absolutely love to do that. I've kind of, I've tried to get in. You know, I've sent some messages to, um, like, the universities here in different, and I've tried to contact different groups, um, like Mental Health America. I know they're kind of, you know, kind of shooting a long shot there. They're uh, pretty big, but, um, I, I, yeah, I would love to get in on something like that. Uh, I haven't I haven't yet. I've done smaller kind of book talks at a uh, local library here and um, different, like, kind of bookstore events. But, um, yeah, that, that really is uh, – my goal is to be able to reach that community in particular. Absolutely. Well, if you can write about what you've written about and deliver it so beautifully and so uh, intimately and so honestly, I have no doubt in my mind, Kate, that you're going to manifest that for yourself. Absolutely. Oh, you thank will. you. Absolutely. You will. Um, because there's a great need, you know, there's a, there's a great need. And I think a lot of what we choose to write about as authors, it's another way of paying it forward and being of service to people. It doesn't just end with the book. It almost signifies the beginning of yet an ongoing, bigger part of the journey. Absolutely. I totally agree. So after you wrote that book, your family members and people who would know you in your circles, did they come away? Was there any takeaways or breakthroughs from them that they saw you a little bit differently or they came to understand you a little bit better or treated you with perhaps a little more compassion? What was the reception? Um, well, yeah, my family has been you know, nothing but supportive. Um, and I think to a lot of them it was a surprise that I was even writing a book. I mean, I kind of kept it to myself. Um until uh it was going to be published so um i think a lot of people were like oh because you know they didn't know this was even in the works and then and then to read it you know i think for a lot of people it was a hard read um i think for anyone you know it's 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 not light for sure but um yeah i think uh as i hope to do kind of give a more of an insider perspective to what it's like to live with certain mental health issues. And, uh, so I, I know that, uh, you know, my family does appreciate just bringing that out and, you know, being honest about it. And cause, you know, like I said, it is sometimes it's hard for more hard for me to talk about things than it is to write about them. So, you know, I, I was definitely in my comfort zone writing about it. So maybe things that I couldn't express to them came through and, it, uh, so that I think was uh, a definite positive to come from that. Lovely. Well, and you and I both know that true growth, true evolution comes from getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, correct? Yes. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. And so, yes, my, my contribution to, to living fearlessly is actually is, is being on your show and, you know, definitely outside my comfort zone, but, um, you know, it's, it's so important and, I, I absolutely agree. <laughs> well, I applaud you on that, Kate, particularly after you identifying that this is not your comfort area. <laughs> Here you are broadcasting really personal things and talking about very touchy subjects, the very sensitive subjects to, again, 145 countries, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, and no doubt, too, the more you do that, the more you put your yourself out there and you put a face to your actual message, the message that you truly embody and believe in, knowing the greater good that it stands to benefit the collective, that just that just is part of the journey of setting the trail for you to get on that speaking circuit to talk more about this. Right. Absolutely. So you'll thank yourself down the road. Right? <laughs> I, I think you're right. I definitely yeah. will. <laughs> absolutely. And so 
how has this book, I mean, obviously, you know, when, when we're introverted, if you classify mm-hmm. yourself as an introvert, um, has this book helped to unleash some of, of that, uh, where maybe you've graduated to be an ambivert? <laughs> um, I think it, in some situations, uh, definitely in, in like going and doing, uh, author panels, like, and interviews and things, it's, it's so, it's good for me, yes, to come, you know, come out a little bit. And <clears throat> I know for me personally, I, I get very anxious leading up to it. And then as it's happening, like right now, I'm totally fine. Like this is really fun to talk to you and I'm glad I'm doing it. And it's, it's so much the anxiety of leading up to it. And, and so this is like, I think every little bit is going to be like therapy for me and getting a little closer to just not even having that anxious bit as it, as it comes along. So, um, it's, it's definitely good. And I, and I find when I'm talking to people about it, it's just really the passion that comes through and I kind of forget, um, my introverted nature a little bit. So it's Beautiful. definitely a good thing. <laughs> Beautiful. And I just want to qualify too. There's absolutely no judgment or nothing wrong with being an introvert. I find <laughs> that as much as I'm out there in the public eye, I actually am very much my own person. I like my own space and I'm a bit of a lone wolf. Um, but we oftentimes do have those coexisting dualities within all our personalities. Absolutely. And I think it's good to embrace both. Uh, and particularly with you being a creative spirit, a, a creative mind, it's, it, it's a necessity. You, you do need to be alone with yourself and you do need to go and dig deep within yourself to be able to produce the type of content that you know is going to resonate with the readers of your book. So, um, yeah, you can't have one without the other. Otherwise, people will very clearly identify that this is just, oh, she just wanted to write a book for the sake of saying she wrote a book. And there's not really <laughs> any meat and potatoes in the book that really truly touches a chord in people, which is for what you've written about and for the importance of the message. That's kind of the end goal. Very true. Very true. So let's talk about your second book. That one, the the publishing house, of course, just sent me glass, and I'm very grateful for the fact that they did, and it was a beautiful read. Um, but I don't know much about your second book, and I'd love to hear more about that, how it's different, how it's similar, uh, and what's happening with that at, at this point in time in the journey. Sure. Um, well, the second book, it's called Laika, and that is the main character, and uh, it's a 14-year-old girl uh, as the protagonist this time, which I was really excited to write from that point of view, because glass was so male heavy, you know, it's a lot of men characters. And so I was like, okay, I really, I really want to take this in a completely different direction. Um, and it's more, I feel experimental. It's told it, um, in two perspectives, it's mainly second person. Mm -hmm. So that's saying like, you go here and you do this and you, so it's, it's the you personality. So, um, that was interesting to, uh, to write with. And I know sometimes it gets a little, a little heavy, like you get kind of tired of hearing that. So I interspersed it with, um, a second narrator who tells, uh, just normal third person. Mm-hmm. So that's, um, that was an interesting, uh, kind of challenge to write in that way. And so, uh, a lot of the uh, similar issues are touched upon. It is about mental health again. Um, because it follows this young girl as she's developing schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanted to do with this, and especially using this kind of unusual perspective is really put the reader in her shoes as, as this is happening to her. And so as she, you know, she starts off kind of, you don't really know that anything is wrong. Um, And as it develops, the narration kind of distorts and becomes increasingly unreliable. And we're not sure, you know, what she's, if what she's saying is reality or if she's, you know, having a hallucination or having, you know, mm-hmm. she's kind of losing touch as, as the book goes. So that's another reason why I wanted the second narrator who kind of grounds the story. So if you don't feel like you can trust Laika's narration, you have this second narrator who kind of tells you what's really going on. Brilliant. Thank you. Really, <laughs> a lot of fun to write. <laughs> and so, do you find the experience of having written Glass first? And I know every book is its own project, and it, it brings and, and represents its own challenges. Um, 
But did you find, given the experience of having had glass under your belt, you were able to maneuver through the writing process of the second book a little bit more uh, swiftly, a little more clearly, or did, or was it pretty much mimicking the same process of having written glass because it is an entirely different book? Um, it was, it was actually much easier. Um, I, I feel like I had like dozens of rewrites on glass and this one just, it flowed so much better from the start. Like I just, I knew what I wanted to say and I pretty much knew the order I wanted to say it in. And so it, it came down on paper, you know, in three or four months as a big chunk and, it really only took three rewrite, like, you know, of mm-hmm. just kind of going over and, and changing a few things. And so it was a, it was a much less excruciating process than, uh, the revisions on glass. Uh, so I guess it, I did develop, uh, sort of a comfort level, um, with, with how I wanted it to go. Um, so yes, I'm very, I, I'm really happy with the process. It was, it was a lot of fun to write and I, and I just, um, it was interesting because I, I, I didn't really know that I would be writing about mental health in the way that I did again. I, I set out to sort of more take on the issue of teen homelessness. I knew I was going to write about this girl who ran away and just how that, how she would struggle with living on the streets. And it wasn't until I was writing it until I was actually in the book that I, you know, saw this potential to, you know, show her struggling with this, uh, with this other thing, with this schizophrenia. And so that was, um, you know, it's like, I guess you really don't know what you're interested in, what you're thinking about until you start writing. And then it just, it really came together, um, in a way that I hadn't envisioned, but I'm, I'm so happy it, it happened like that. Lovely. Well, again, I've got simultaneous thoughts and questions. <laughs> um, I just, I'm really fascinated by this subject matter. Um, and having worked in social services with various populations of, of people and demographics, um, I encountered and worked intimately with a lot of the people of what you're describing with those types of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so very near and dear to my heart. But um, do you think it's safe to say, and only you can speak to this, but do you think part of the easiness and the flow that came with having written your second book isn't so much based on the fact that it is your second book. So, of course, once you've had more practice and you've honed something initially, you you obviously get better as you go with each and new project. Um, But do you think because of the healing journey of having written Glass and the additional clarity and the self-awareness that that may have brought you and risen you to, that's what kind of opened up the floodgates to make the process of writing the second book that much easier? I, I think there is definitely something to that, that, um, it took a lot of getting over these stumbling blocks in glass, you know, it just knowing how to put yourself out there and that once you've done that, it is like, like opening flood, like floodgates. And then it's, it is a lot less resistance, um, the next time around. I think, I think you're absolutely right. Well, and the, and the, the other thought, I'm, I'm proud of myself that I was able to hold this in the answer <laughs> there. But the second thought that I had, more of a question. Um, so we know, we know statistically that there's a high correlation between mental health issues and homelessness. Um, now, knowing that that was kind of the tangent that you were setting out to initially write about, did that come from any firsthand experience of either having worked with people in shelters or working specifically or having had dialogues or exchanges with people uh, who did, in fact, have schizophrenia? Or where where does that come from? Um, and, you know, what? no, this is uh, – I had very little personal experience with – with these issues, I, I was drawn to them, I think, because of the stigma. I really, I do feel passionate about bringing to the forefront issues that people feel ashamed of. If, you know, if they're dealing with that, they don't feel like they can bring, bring out in front of everyone. Um, so that's kind of why I was drawn to the homelessness and the schizophrenia. Um, so I did have to do a lot of research. I did read, um, a lot of case studies and just, um, some memoirs from, uh, from people with schizophrenia and, 
mostly I spent a lot of time on message boards on like internet forums that people would go back and forth and talk, talk about their experiences and ask questions. And, Brilliant. you know, every, every once in a while I would, I would kind of get on and ask a question and, you know, identify myself as an outsider. It's like, you know, I want to be, I want to be out, you know, out in the open that I'm just, I'm just wanting information and, um, everyone, you know, if I had a question, people were so nice and I got all different kind of responses for, for what people, uh, go through. And it's, it's just, it was so enlightening. And I think, uh, I think that was the, the best way for me to connect with this on a more personal level. Cause they are real, you know, these are real people and these are their real stories. And, um, so that was a, a, a gift, I think, to be able to connect in that way. Absolutely. Amazing. Um, so the other thing I would want to ask you too, Kate, is, you know, is there a particular subject matter for whatever the reason it would uh, perhaps resonate with you or you can relate or identify to it that you feel you have yet to write about? Oh, that's a great question. Um, and that's, I'm, I'm not really sure because uh, it seems like when I have an idea, I kind of run with it. And then I have like these months and months of just, I kind of go dormant and I don't, you know, I'm not really working on anything. And then it in kind of springs up. Um, I have thought about doing more with some of the characters from glass. Um, some of the ones that, you know, taking, taking that story, uh, farther, but I'm not exactly sure what that would look like. Um, Interesting. but yes, I'm sure if, you know, uh, looking to the future that, um, definitely mental health issues, um, and stigmatized issues are, uh, absolutely my passion that I would no doubt, uh, start another project along those lines. Amazing. Well, and I think that's important, you know, I, as much as people, um, try to, expand upon their creativity or their diversity for subject matter. I really think the strength of, of the really good writers in all genres are the people who stick with what they know, because what you know makes you an expert in your own industry. It, sure. You know, you're honing becoming, as I oftentimes say, really stepping up to the plate of being your own hero, being your own shiro, being your own leader. And what more, uh, impactful way to talk about something and reach uh, the collective than to talk about a subject matter that's near and dear to your heart. And that's not to say that even if you choose to endeavor to write your third book, which still, uh, you know, has remnants of or the premise being somehow related and tied back into mental health issues, it doesn't mean that you can't creatively put a different kind of spin on it or talk about a different demographic that comes through in the character formation that comes through in the plot um, or in the narration. So, you know, I, I think there's a million and one different ways to extrapolate one thing and, mm-hmm. it all, and, and it all be uniquely signature to that in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think you're right that that's the way to really resonate with an audience is they can tell when you're writing about something you're passionate about. And they, you know, I feel like readers will get a deeper connection if you have a connection. So yeah, I, I absolutely agree that, um, writing what you know is, is definitely the way to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, very impressive repertoire for what you've accomplished in your life. And, and, you know, I'm very, personally enamored by the subject matter again because of my own experiences of who I've chosen to interface with and and the types of people I've chosen to advocate and help empower along the way and I think your books are very much all about that um, there's a lot of powerful messages and it's all about self-empowerment it's about you know exercising leadership in your own life and it's also I think for myself I think the people who are the most vulnerable are truly the most beautiful and the most authentic Mm-hmm, totally. And like a, a friend of mine put it in a, in a more succinct way than I had before. And when he said, you seem to write about damaged people helping damaged people. And that's, mm. you know, I hadn't thought about it like that before, but yes, it is because I feel like everybody has something that is holding them back, something that they're not proud of, something, you know, that society maybe doesn't 
quite understand. And it's all about compassion. Basically, Mm -hmm. that is if that's if there's a takeaway that I want uh, someone to come away with from either book, it's that it's so we have such a responsibility to each other to understand and to, you know, help with these with these issues in whatever way we can. Absolutely. And yes, we do. I agree with that sentiment wholeheartedly, Um, which takes me down into another path, uh, subject matter that I talk about quite often with various guests on my program, and that's leadership, authentic leadership. So in current times, Kate, and particularly for Mm -hmm. you being somebody who is a resident and a citizen of the States, um, you know, and without getting into political bashing or anything like that, I'd be, I'd be more interested to know, do you believe that as a culture, we are becoming more emotionally intelligent or do you think we are less so? Um, I think, I, I think there, I think it goes both ways. I think it depends on, on what issue you're looking at. I think we've come a long way in terms of being able to talk about certain issues. I think, I think marginalized groups are, are coming to the forefront in a way that they haven't before. Like we're seeing progress on, you know, gay rights and, and transgender rights and lots of things are happening. I think, you know, maybe not as fast as, as I would like, not as, you know, as fast as a lot of people would like, but I think, um, in, in a lot of ways, things like social media, are, you know, they're bringing these things to the forefront of really a national consciousness, because if there is an injustice, you know, people will put it all over Facebook, all over Twitter, you know, things. Yeah. If there is something that people feel strongly about, you will see it. And so I think that that way, certain groups have gotten some traction and, you know, pushed forward uh, in, in a way that they couldn't before because that technology wasn't here. But, you know, obviously I think, I think there's still a long way to go, um, in terms of, you know, stigma and, uh, just getting, getting to the point where we, we feel heard as, as people and as different groups and as minorities. And, uh, you know, so I think, I think it can be seen both ways. Absolutely. Absolutely, it can. Well, let me ask you this, and, and certainly we don't, uh, you know, our, our identities expand beyond our nationality, but that is a huge part of, uh, you know, when you talk about being patriotic, when you talk about, uh, you know, core values, core beliefs, and, and things that unify people, bring people together, and give them a common sense of identity and purpose and, and all that yummy stuff. Mm-hmm. As, an, as an American, you know, are, are, are you, how are you feeling as an American and under your current leadership? And, um, and do you find in the circles of who you talk to, who you interact with, or just being somebody who based on research and, and doing research and development, just putting yourself out there to hear other people's insights and, and conversation pieces surrounding you? Um, to what degree are people feeling impacted perhaps by the weight of some things that are systemically across the board, you know, people on other countries or maybe uh, when we go back to talking about the issue of stigma, you know, people painting a whole country with the same brush mm-hmm. because of who is perhaps at the helm and people not necessarily being uh, in unison with that or being in support of that. Um, and to the degree that that impacts other people's areas of life and trying to get further ahead or w- how they choose to define leadership, but feeling like it's kind of hard to rise when you're feeling oppressed. So sure. how, how do you speak to that? Well, I think, you know, now more than ever, the idea of, um, connection, like person to person connection, I think has never been more important because yeah. no matter who is, is leading there, you know, we are a diverse world, you know, made up of, of individuals who, you know, really can come together and understand each other if, if that's what we want. And, so I feel like people are, you know, talking more and, and just, 
getting involved more. You see a whole lot more um, political involvement. People, uh, I know I have been writing my senators uh, every day and uh, it's, it's just the level of involvement I think is great. And um, different groups, you know, it's, it's kind of scary times. uh, And, you know, I am, I in more uh, liberal circles in just where, where we are and who we, uh, who we talk to and also um, Jewish circles because, you know, we're Jewish. And so anti-Semitism has been, you know, a concern in our community. And, but I think more than fear, it's just really gotten people energized. And I think, I think that's great that, you know, out of leadership that a lot of people don't agree with, there is coming this, this sense of community that, you know, maybe wouldn't have been there. And so there's, there's a way to see a a real positive, I think, um, even in a time when there's a lot of political uncertainty and, and that kind of thing. And, I know, um, like we've gotten a lot more involved, uh, in organizations that are, are helping, you know, in other countries. And, you know, we've been more on the idea of, of, you know, donating and trying to, to help these causes that, um, you know, there's not enough support for. And so I think, you know, there, there is a lot of good coming, um, and it's just the, if you want to see it and if you want to get involved. And I think that's, that's where it's at is that interpersonal connection. Beautiful. Yeah. I would echo your sentiments on that wholeheartedly. Um, and that's somebody who's on the periphery, but who's very much cognizant and, and plugged into, you know, current global events and, and how that trickles down at both the micro and the macro level. So, mm-hmm. um, so I, I, I really love and appreciate your answer and your insights around that because you're somebody who, you know, is in the States. So a lot of people who are living specifically in the States are being polarized right now. Um, And I think it's very important, uh, you know, when we talk about leadership, it's really, and and for what you've done in your book, I mean, there's a correlation between me having invited you onto the show to talk about the content of your book. But when we take it to a different level, a higher level, it's all about social consciousness, social awareness. And I mean, the, the, the show, the premise of the network that we're both on right now, speaking about the subject matter, it's consciousness in action. And so I think for what you have openly shared in your books and it gives pause for thought and it makes people go deep within themselves, but it also offers that ability, um, to be more compassionate, to be more empathetic with, you know, your, your fellow sisters, your fellow brothers. Well, you take that to a bigger level and it's, it's just, it's looking at how we're all impacted and the role that we each individually play when we talk about accountability, right? It's about being solution focused. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to initiate to be the leader, uh, to raise the voice, to raise the level of consciousness. So, um, so certainly there is correlation between what you've done and manifested for yourself with the messages within your book and the subject matter of leadership at a greater level. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so being cognizant of time in these interviews, unfortunately, always go much faster than I would <laughs> like, uh, especially when I get immersed in subject matters and guests that I can really, really relate to, uh, such as yourself, Kate. So, you know, knowing that we've got about 10 minutes left, I'd be interested for you to have an opportunity to let the listeners know how can they connect with you? How can they get copies of your book? Oh, sure. Um, and so glasses up on Amazon and, um, Leica is available for pre-order, but it'll, it'll be a while before it's, um, actually out. Um, also the publisher's website, Brick Mantle Books, um, always has, uh, order opportunities there, glasses up. And so is Leica. Um, and I have a website as well, which is just my name, Kate Court, K-A-T-E-K-O-R-T dot com. Um, and so that gives you, uh, a lot of, uh, background about the books and, um, contact information. People can always contact me, um, if they have questions or, um, want to say anything to me, that would be great. My, it's, my email is 
my name, Kate Court, again, K-A-T-E-K-O-R-T at gmail.com. People can um, contact me anytime and, and that would be great. Phenomenal. Beautiful. And so given that my whole brand and everything that I uh, endeavor to do, it's all premised on living fearlessly. And clearly you've embodied that, you've exemplified that and how you've chosen to live your life in, this, in the subject matters and the issues that really touch a chord within you. Um, but what would you say to the listening audience in terms of any nuggets, any advice, any wisdom, anything you would wish to share with them and part with them for people who are perhaps, you know, whether they struggle for mental health issues themselves uh, or they're not quite sure how to figure out what it is that they're passionate about, but they, they feel that a change is necessary. They're not quite happy with where they're at and they know that they deserve and are worthy of more. What would you say to people, Kate, um, about living fearlessly, what that means to you and how you could advise people? Um, well, in terms of, you know, personal mental health, um, wellness, I, I would say have a support system, whatever that looks like, family, friends, people that you, maybe, uh, coworkers, anyone that you can kind of get to that deeper level with, do it because that is where our, our health essentially comes from is from these connections and, you know, it doesn't always have to be deep heart to heart kind of, if that feels too personal, it doesn't have to start like that. You know, it's, it could be baby steps to just drawing those, those bigger connections and, uh, feeling like we are not so isolated because mental illness can be so isolating. And, uh, you know, you feel like you're the only one dealing with things, but I think once people let their guard down a little, they, they will see that that others are dealing with probably the exact same thing or, you know, something that is just as stigmatized, something that they don't feel they can come out with in the open. Um, so just fostering those connections, I think, is number one for for anybody's health. Um, and in terms of, of living fearlessly and, and uh, following your passion, um, just for anyone who might be aspiring uh, writers out there, uh, I will just say that the uh, the uh, rejection of going into publishing is <laughs> is for real, and um, that it should you know don't let it discourage you. I got a whole ton of rejections, and you just you keep going, and you I I would say do your research and um, mm-hmm. to find really where your writing fits, and and don't waste your time. Uh, sending queries out to uh, publishers or agents who don't uh, represent what you do um, just to to really find that niche. And uh, I'm, I'm really, really uh, grateful that I found uh, Brick Mantle Books because they do exactly, exactly what I'm about. Uh, quirky literary fiction and a lot of it deals with mental health. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely. Well, I appreciate, as I'm sure the listeners do, what you've had to share with them, because uh, you don't know what you don't know, right? And sometimes the, the, the hardest part is knowing where to start. So I think that your answer has uh, really helped uh, navigate people who are interested in wanting something more for themselves. So I appreciate that on behalf of listeners and for myself personally, Kate. Um, I would highly recommend this book, Glass, by Kate Court. Uh, I, I'm sure the second one is just as yummy and delightful. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of inspiration and nuggets that can be derived from that as well, no doubt, based on the writing that I've, I've read in Glass. I highly, highly recommend people getting themselves a copy. Treat yourselves. Uh, you won't be sorry. Not just saying that. Uh, again, a little biased because the subject matters which you chose to write about are very near and dear to my heart. So I'm sure there's lots of people who uh, could relate to that if they took the time to indulge themselves and purchase a copy of Glass. So I just want to say once again, Kate, this has been an absolute delight. I've really enjoyed listening to you. I've learned a lot from you. Uh, I have no doubt that we'll continue to remain in contact in one shape, way, form or another behind the scenes. And I wish you all my best and you get yourself out on that speaking circuit. I think, you know, you've got a very, very important message to deliver. Um, and uh, I just want to say 
on behalf of somebody who's made the concerted choice to also live fearlessly. I thank you for living fearlessly because I think we all need to do that if we're going to create some huge, monumental, ongoing, positive shift in this world, uh, which oftentimes does mean we each have to individually step outside of our comfort zones in, in which to collectively achieve that. So for the fact that you've done that, for what you've written about, for how it's resonated, what I got out of it personally and for this beautiful interview, I want to say thank you very much. Thank you so much, Lisa. I really so appreciate what you do and, and for you taking the time for me today. Oh, it was a no-brainer, Kate. <laughs> it was absolutely a no-brainer. So we've got about four minutes. I want to give you an opportunity once again before I officially say cheerio to you and to listening audience. Where can people reach you again? Where can people get your book? Okay. Um, definitely Amazon uh, has copies of Glass and pre-orders of Leica. Brickmantlebooks.com has the same. And my personal website is katecourt.com, K-A-T-E-K-O-R-T. And my email address, feel free to contact me with anything you'd like to talk about. It's katecourt at gmail.com. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kate. I want to wish you a phenomenal day. I want to wish you a very excellent, yummy weekend. And I look forward to connecting with you again. I'll be, as people always know, after I go live, I upload the podcast. I will send you directly the podcast. And uh, for anybody who hasn't had a chance to tune into the live show, you've got the encore that you can treat yourselves to. And take notes. I really encourage people to take notes. You know, sometimes things get missed. Sometimes people are listening to this and they're multitasking and they don't quite grasp uh you know the important stuff it, it kind of gets lost in translation with you know always doing and 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 feeling that we have to be busy and get things done but this is something i would really encourage people slow it down really take the time to listen to the podcast once it gets up and ready and i would certainly encourage you as i mentioned before treat yourself to a copy of glass by kate court phenomenal read and you'll learn so much about yourself and it might shift the way that you're thinking so Thank you again, Kate. And to my listening audience, I want to thank you once again for your loyal listenership. It's always a treat and an honor to be joined by you every Friday that I go live at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 o'clock Eastern here on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald on the Contact Talk Radio Network. I would also want to thank you for being one of now well over 165,000 podcast subscribers, which I'm available and can be found on various sites, including iTunes. So I want to say thank you very much. Have a fantastic weekend, and I encourage you to continue living fearlessly. Take care. All my best. Love and gratitude. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. Visit her at lisamcdonaldauthor.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.